Amen. And the rest of us, now you know not to sit down until we have prayed. Y'all know that. Say, you stand up too much. I'm keeping you in shape. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. All right, let's, let's, we're going to be dealing with verse 5 tonight. It's a good one. It's a good one. And let's look at Psalms 23, and we're going to talk about a table and an anointing. How many of you want the anointing of the Lord on your life? Amen. In that anointing, you can't put a price tag on that anointing. Can't do it. So let's pray together, Father. We thank you for the word of the living God. And we pray in Jesus' name that tonight you will open our ears and eyes, open the, the understanding of our spirit man unto grasp and to get a fresh revelation on the shepherding of Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. And we receive your word with meekness in Jesus' name. Will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, talk to me tonight. Talk to me tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's going to be good tonight. God bless you. Now let me, uh, this is a, a powerful psalm. We've been going through the 23rd Psalm which, and, and looking at the 23rd Psalm from the view of a real shepherd of real sheep, which David was. But then we're applying that uh, to our spiritual walk with the great shepherd of the sheep who is the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know he's your shepherd, not just your Savior? Now, once you're in heaven, you don't need a shepherd, do you? Do you? No. You don't need a shepherd when you're in heaven. You don't need to be guided anymore. You're there. But you need a shepherd now on earth. And so let's read through verse 5, the 23rd Psalm, and then we'll begin. Everybody read it with me like you're preaching to me and not me to you. Are you ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. Now, here we come to verse 5. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies. What does that mean? He goes on, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Amen. Well, here it is. As we approach this passage, the sheep are approaching the high mountain country. This is real shepherding of real sheep. At this point in the psalm, David, the, the former shepherd of sheep, is clearly taking us on a walk through the seasons in a year of how sheep are shepherded uh, during those seasons of spring, uh, summer, fall, winter. And at this point in verse 5, we're approaching the high mountain country of the summer ranges. And this is known as the tablelands. And they are much sought after by the shepherd. These high ranges are also known by the Spanish word mesas or tables. Now, David may actually have been referring to the entire high summer range in this verse 5. Uh, though these areas were hard to reach, the thoughtful and energetic shepherd uh, takes the time and trouble 
to get his sheep there. He's taking them to the high ranges. God is taking you and I, not just through valleys, but to the high ranges. Amen? To the high places. Now, early in the season, the shepherd will begin making survey trips into this rough, wild country. What he does, he goes ahead of the sheep. He knows where they're going to be arriving. He knows their future destination. So he goes ahead of them and sort of beats them there. Now, how many of you have ever in your walk with God realized when you arrive at a certain place, the Lord was there before you making the way? Amen? Have you, how many of you can say, I've experienced that for sure. When I got a new blessing, a new level, a new, I can tell he was there ahead of me, preparing it for me. Well, that's what we're talking about here. Then just before the sheep arrive, the shepherd will make another expedition or two to prepare the table land for them. Now he goes over the range carefully. Here's what he does. He's going to determine how vigorous the grass and the upland vegetation is. Is this a good place for me to bring my sheep? He chooses strategic spots in which to deposit salt and minerals for the sheep's future benefit. And as he walks about, the careful shepherd will be on the lookout for several things. Now as we read these, I want you to know that you are where you are today, but you're not where you're going to be tomorrow. And guess what? He's already in your tomorrow, preparing your tomorrow to be your next today. And he's preparing the way for you. Now that's the providence of God. That is the sovereignty of God. That's the real God who inhabits the future. We are stuck in time. He's not in time. God inhabits eternity. So tomorrow is as good as today to him. He knows exactly where you're going to be. Now, he's looking out for several things in the place you will be someday. And here's what he's looking out for. First, he will check the land carefully for poisonous weeds. That's what the real shepherd will do. Some very attractive flowers are there in tablelands or mesas, the place in the high ranges where he's going. Uh, one of them is called the white camma. And it's beautiful, and it's common in the tablelands. But guess what? Even though it's pretty and attractive to the eye, it's deadly to a lamb. It's deadly to a lamb. And that shepherd knows what this poisonous plant looks like. And uh, when eaten, the lamb becomes paralyzed, stiffens up like a block of wood, and he succumbs to the poison. So the shepherd is looking for this poisonous plant so that he can eradicate it from the area before the sheep arrives. Hence, the watchful shepherd prepares the tableland for the approaching sheep by clearing it of poisons. He will either plan his future grazing program to avoid the plants, or he will eradicate them all together. Now, no doubt, David had in mind the watch care of our heavenly shepherd. Like sheep, we also are drawn to what is attractive and appealing to the eye, aren't we? And John warned about this. He said, all that is in the world. He said, this is what the world system is made up of, and this is how it operates, and this is how it takes you down. All that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life are not from the Father, 
but they are of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God is the one who abides forever. That's 1 John. Now watch this. That shepherd knows that if he doesn't get rid of those poisonous plants that are so attractive, then the sheep are going to eat them. And what are we called in the Bible? Sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. What do we go astray towards? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. The pride of life is the attitude of, I don't need God. That's the pride of life. And that's what takes us down. It's what took Eve down in the Garden of Eden. Eve was seduced by the fruit of the forbidden tree. Look what it says, Genesis 3, 6, quote, when the woman did what? Saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and what? Pleasing to the eye. She ate. And when she ate, she died. She ate a poisonous plant. Out there in that world system, there are a thousand possibilities of poison plants. And you know what? The Lord our shepherd goes ahead of us. And isn't he so good to warn you and say, don't go there. Uh, that's okay, but that's not okay. He's not just a you can't do this. He, if, when he tells you you can't this, he tells you you can that. But the shepherd, our great shepherd, does the same thing. He spots the poisonous plants. He warns us about the poisonous plants. We humans can't help it. This is the way we are. We must taste or experiment what that which God has warned us is actually deadly poisonous. If we don't listen to the shepherd and heed his warnings, we'll eat the poison plants. People are doing it every day, all day long. Christians do the same thing unless they listen to the shepherd. If, the, if you experience a few times when he tells you, don't eat that, don't gravitate to that, don't look at that, don't feed on that, all it takes is a few times of disobeying him and you go down and you suffer for it you begin to trust very carefully the word of the shepherd later on. And all it takes is that still, small voice. Don't go there. Say, yes, sir. Because I remember the pain. I remember the pain. Now, David wants us to know the heavenly shepherd has gone ahead of us. He inhabits our next destination. Isn't that powerful? And he's preparing it for us by marking the dangers and praying for us ahead of time that we might not succumb. You remember uh, Jesus told, took Peter aside and said, Peter, it's not going to be long before Satan's going to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you. I didn't pray that it would be prevented because I want you to learn. But I prayed for you that when you are sifted by the devil, your faith does not fail. And when you come back, you will strengthen the, the brethren. See, Jesus was ahead of him, waiting in his future, saw what his future was bringing and warned him about it, and prayed for him. And sure enough, Peter fell hard, flat on his face. But he got back up. And what did he do? He was the preacher at Pentecost, strengthening his brethren. So good example there of how Jesus knows what's coming before we ever arrive. Now, a second thing the shepherd is on the lookout for in the tablelands that we are approaching is dangerous predators. Now, the shepherd will look carefully when he's gone ahead of the sheep. The sheep aren't with him when he's gone into the tablelands. He's gone alone. The sheep are way back there. And what's he looking for? He's looking for wolves, coyotes, cougars, bears. 
These creatures are very crafty. They will hide on the rim rock, watching every movement the sheep make. When Kathy and I were in Colorado a few months back, uh, we were out where all these gorgeous mountains were and these, these incredible rock formations and this river running between these, these uh, two mountains. And I, you know, I, I got a lot of adventure in me. I grew up going in the woods all the time and a critter guy, a critter kid. I was real involved in the country. And so I wanted to go down there and I, and I was walking along where these rocks are and I saw these, these protruding rocks out over the river and I could see signs that having, that, that sat there, that, that cougars or mountain lions or something had sat there watching prey go by, hidden behind the rocks until the right moment. That's what the shepherd went ahead of the sheep to find. He wanted to be sure that he had the place marked for cougars and lions and dangers to the sheep. Because here's what he knows. When the right situation affords itself, the predators know how to stampede the flock. Looking to pick one of the panicking sheep out of the herd for their next meal. They panic the flock hoping to catch one of them that strays far enough in his panic and in his flight that they can take him down. See, the, the enemy, our enemy, is always seeking to drive us out of the flock, to isolate us, to get us away from our brethren, get us out there alone, because that's where the predator picks you off. So he'll get you offended in church. Something will happen, it will hurt you offend you. Make you say, well, church isn't what I thought it was going to be. Or I've had all this fun I can stand. I'll just go on a sabbatical. And you get out of church and that sabbatical turns into a month, three months, six months. And you get out there and your heart begins to cool and you don't know there's predators in the rim rocks. And they'll get you out there long enough where you're weak enough, cooled off enough, Far enough away from the word and from fellowship, he swoops in and he takes you down. It says in the Proverbs, he who separates or isolates himself seeks his own desire and is a fool. Well, that's why it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner or habit of some is, especially as you see the day of the coming of the Lord approaching. But encourage and exhort one another instead. Stay together. I don't want to be the predator's next meal. Amen? Only the watchful shepherd who tends his flock on the tableland in full view of possible enemies can prevent them from falling prey to attack. It's his preparation for this possibility that saves the sheep from being slaughtered. We have a great shepherd. We have a good shepherd. And I know people that are out there. They've been hurt in church. Uh, they're out there licking their wounds. And I, my prayer is that they will not just here, but return to whatever church they need to go back to, any church preaching Jesus. But that they will not get picked off by the predator. Now, here's why Peter warned God's people, 1 Peter 5, 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a predator, like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour the Greek, literally, eat alive. 
The devil's a predator. He's the ultimate predator, the chief predator, the most to be feared predator. I'm not afraid of the devil, but I also respect that he's out there and real, and if I don't play by the rules, I can fall prey to him. Okay? So Peter said, you better watch out. You better stay with the flock, stay with the word, stay with the Lord. Thank God that we have a shepherd who watches, warns, and wields his mighty word to protect the sheep under his care. Jesus said of himself, this is some of my favorite passages about the Lord. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. That's me. I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what, everyone? Sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He says, man, I got nothing in these sheep. I'm not going to get eaten. And he runs because he doesn't care about the sheep. He's only in it for the money. But not the great shepherd. The hireling will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and he scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. But Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my Father knows me and I know the Father. So what does Jesus do? I sacrifice my life for the sheep. When he stood on that cross, y'all, and he's crucified, his hands and his feet, and that cross was dropped down on that ground and he gave up his life, what was he doing? He was standing between the predator and you. He was standing between the predator who would have carried us into a devil's hell. And he gave his life to protect us. The hireling flees, but a true shepherd will stand between the predator and the sheep and defend them to his own hurt. And that's what Jesus did. Now, this is why it's so important to walk closely with the shepherd. It is always the distant sheep, the roamers, the wanderers that are picked off by predators. Read his word daily. Let me tell you, I get up in the morning, I have one thing on my mind. Get in that word. Get with the Lord. I will not go out the door until I do it. I'm going to stay close to the shepherd. Close to the shepherd. Bye, bye, bye. Me, sheep, him, shepherd. I'm staying close. Because I know that predator. We're not ignorant of his devices. So you, you get in that word. And if you don't get anything out of it, get another Bible version. And if you don't get anything out of that, find a great devotional. But find something and get in the Word of God every day. You will not stay alive by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is not, listen folks, <clears throat> this is not a joke and this isn't playtime and this is not playing church and this is not just some religious ritual. We get in the Word to survive and thrive. So pour out your heart to the Lord every day. Listen to Him speaking to your heart. What is He saying to you? The good shepherd is faithful to warn us if a predator is approaching. And he'll warn you. If you're getting into a relationship that's wrong, he'll warn you. If you're being tempted to something, the enemy is on the rim rock there and he's looking down and you've gotten a little bit cool. He's looking, how can I take them down? The, 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 the great shepherd will warn you. And he'll protect you. Listen to him. 
Another task the shepherd sees, or sees to as he prepares the table land for his sheep, is he clears out the water holes, the springs, and the drinking places for his flock. He goes up in the table land ahead of them, and he makes sure that the water is good. The good shepherd will make sure that debris, leaves, twigs, stones, and soil that may have fallen into the water holes during the autumn and winter months are removed from the water and that the water is clean. He'll open the springs that may have become overgrown with grass and brush and weeds. His sheep must have clean, pure water, and he knows it, and he will make sure they have it. Not only does he make us lie down in green pastures and lead us to the still waters of peace, but he also leads us to the good waters, pure waters, to drink. Because there's so much polluted water out there telling us that it's good for a drink, but it's not. It's polluted. Likewise, our good shepherd has taken great care to provide for us a pure spring of flowing water, the Word of God. I love the Bible. I say it to you all the time. I'll say it again. I don't want to be in a world without the Bible. I love the Bible. Love the Word of God. It's my own library, 66 books in one volume. I'm carrying a library around with me everywhere I go. It's a library. And every single word in it is breathed out by God. And it is for our instruction and training. I love the Word. David said that when we make God's Word our delight, what's going to happen to us? He shall be like a tree planted by what? The rivers of what? Well, that's about three of you. Let's try it again. Water. What kind of water? Living water. And how do you tap into it? By spending time in the Word of God. Psalms 1. And not just God's Word, but spending time with the God of the Word is water to our souls. Again, David wrote these words. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Have you all noticed the older you get, the thirstier you're getting for God? Isn't that good? And if you're not thirsty for God, start spending more time with Him. The more time you spend with Him, the more you want to. The less time you spend with Him, the less you want to. That's the way it is. Make yourself get in there and spend time with God for the living God. Where, then David said, when can I go and meet with God? He said, I can't wait to go and meet with God because he's a source of water. And our good shepherd has also provided the precious Holy Spirit. Don't want to be in the world without the Bible, and I don't want to be in the world without the Holy Spirit. Who is genuine water from heaven to our thirsty souls? Jesus told the woman at the well, give me a drink out of that well. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me to give you a drink? A Samaritan woman. Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. Translated, dude, what are you doing talking to me? Jews don't talk to Gentiles. Why are you asking me to give you a drink? She didn't know who she was talking to. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, who's the gift of God? Him. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink. If you knew who you were talking to, you would have asked him and he would have given you what? Living water. Well, she's intrigued now. 
She said, sir, you don't even have anything to draw with. You don't even have a bucket. And the well is deep. Where are you going to get this so-called living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks from this well is going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. In other words, you will find it. You will have found it. You will have found what they're looking for when they shoot it, when they snort it, when they drink it, when they smoke it. You will have found it. What? What every soul is seeking for, whether they know it or not. The living water, the Spirit of God. You will have found it. And you're never going to thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become where? In him. Where? In him. So there's a well in you. And what is it? It's a fountain of water springing up, springing up into everlasting life. I could park right there and preach the rest of the night. Because that's powerful. See, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit dug a well in you. There is a well in you, and it's infinite, and it's eternal. And out of that well that he dug in you flows the spirit of life, the spirit of God, the living waters. And once you find it, nothing else will do. Spending quality, consistent time with God is crucial to shaking our, uh, or slaking our thirst with uh, good, clean water rather than the poison, polluted waters of the world. And there's all kinds of polluted springs out there. We don't have to drink from them because we've got the living water. Now, therefore, we must allow our good shepherd who's already gone ahead and prepared for us his word, his spirit, and direct access to him to lead us to that good water. How many of you want? Listen, you know why you're here tonight? Because you want that water. You wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night in terrible traffic when it's dark at 6, when you could be sitting in front of that polluted well called TV. I mean, you talk about a polluted well. Lord help us. That, is, that thing has gone from kind of polluted to major industrial strength pollution. I'd rather be here than anywhere, soaking in the Word of God. I love the Word, and I love His Spirit, and I love fellowshipping with Him and with all of you. Now, now we come to, and I love that graphic, I told Laura, good job on that graphic. Look at that sheep. And for those of you listening by radio, we're looking at a sheep, and a shepherd has hold of his neck, and he's pouring oil over his head. Isn't that sheep precious? Now, you anoint my head with oil. Now, I want you to grab the size of your chair, because we're going to get a little bit gross before it gets better. Are you all okay? Now, let's look at this. What does he mean, you anoint my head with oil? At this point in the psalm, it's summer and the sheep are on the high meadows. You know what? It's serene. We're in a high place. We're on a mountaintop. It's serene. Those sheep are in wonderful, close proximity to their shepherd. They're loving it. It's beautiful. It's summertime. But suddenly, there's a fly in the ointment. In the terminology of the shepherd, summertime is fly time. Skeeter time, bug time. And that's bad news for those sheep. Now, in the summertime, insects flourish. They can absolutely drive the sheep to distraction and madness. 
Here you go. There are warble flies, bot flies, heel flies, nasal flies, deer flies, black flies, mosquitoes, gnats, and other irrigate or irritating wing parasites. Doesn't that kind of make you want to scratch when I read those? All right? Now, in particular, sheep are tormented by the nasal flies. Now, here comes gross, and then it's going to get better. These tiny flies buzz constantly around the sheep's head, seeking opportunity to deposit their eggs on the mucous membranes of the sheep's nose. When successful, the eggs hatch to form small, slender, worm-like larvae. They soon work their way up the nasal passages of the sheep's head. And once there, they burrow into the flesh, and they cause intense irritation and severe inflammation. You want to just say gross? There you go. Get it out. This is real. This is what happens. Now the sheep are beside themselves with torment. It gets so bad, if they're not taken care of by a good shepherd, they'll deliberately beat their heads against trees, rocks, posts, or brush. They're going crazy with what has gotten into their minds. All right? Now, they'll rub them in the soil and thrash around endlessly. In extreme cases, the sheep may even kill itself in a frenzied attempt to gain relief from what has gone up into his mind and is tormenting him. Now, I think you get the illustration here because the attentive shepherd knows how to prevent the danger of fly time. Here's what a good shepherd will do. At the very first sign of flies among the flock, he'll apply an antidote to their heads. It is oil prepared out of ingredients like linseed oil, sulfur, and tar. The shepherd smears it over the sheep's nose and head as a protection against nasal flies. That's the picture we just saw. Now, once the oil is applied there, uh, it, there's an immediate change in the behavior of the sheep. Gone is the aggravation. Gone is the frenzy. Gone is the irritability and the restlessness because their heads have been anointed with oil. Amen. Now, instead, the sheep grow peaceful uh, and they soon lie down in contentment. And this process has got to be repeated over and over and over and over and over again throughout the summer to keep that sheep free. Now, it's easy to see the application here. I want you to listen very carefully to me because this is where a lot of us live. Your victory or your defeat takes place between your ears, in your mind. Your mind is the battlefield. Eve lost the battle in her mind. Adam lost the battle in his mind. Anytime you get defeated, it happens in your mind. Your mind is defeated before you act on something. And you have victory in your mind. This is very, very important now. How often in any given day the petty annoyances, aggravating distractions, and worrisome, fearful thoughts of life come buzzing around your head. Today, some of you dealt with fear. You dealt with worry. You dealt with doubt. You dealt with lust. You, you dealt with jealousy. 
You dealt with, man, there's all kinds of them. Just like the nasal flies. They seek entrance into our minds. Into our thought life. And this is because the enemy wants us distracted and he wants us defeated. He wants you to lose your joy and he wants you to lose your peace. If he can take your joy and he can take your peace, he can take your testimony and your infectious Christianity. The devil fears a happy Christian more than any single thing. Because when you're a happy, joy-filled, victorious Christian, you are a walking billboard for the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. So he's after your joy. He's after your peace. And how does he take your joy and your peace from you? He plants tormenting thoughts. Now here's a few. Worry. Fear. Lust. Envy. Jealousy. Doubt, or some other thing that leads to emotional inflammation. You know, there's people that are walking around so filled with jealousy or envy of other people that they have no joy, they have no peace at all. There are people that are so filled with fear they cannot experience the victory of the Lord. God doesn't want you that way. God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but He gave us the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. Amen? A mind that has been anointed with oil. Oh, this is, this is my secret right here. If he succeeds in doing this to us in our mind, we grow distracted, we get tense, we get irritable, and we even get depressed. Indeed, we feel like banging our heads against the wall, figuratively speaking, and maybe some of you have really done it. Or at least put your fist through a wall or your foot. Don't look at me so holy. A man of God's a man first. A woman of God's a woman first. We do be humans. We're redeemed, but we're not perfect. And we go through stuff. But this is what the enemy wants to do to us. At this point, here's what happens. Some turn to alcohol or some other drug for relief. I can't stand my thoughts. I'm going to drown them out. I'm going to drown them out by drinking. I'm going to drown them out by some drug. There is no question in my mind why America is a nation of addicts because they can't stand their thought life. If you had peace in your mind, why would you need anything to sedate yourself? Why would you need anything? Seriously. To me, the issue is not do you drink or do you not drink, using alcohol for an example. The issue is why do you drink? I don't care as much that you drink or that you are on some drug, the question is, why? What pain are you trying to medicate away? What is it you can't handle up here that you've got to numb it? That's the issue. That's what I care about. That's what God cares about. Not that you're doing it, but why you're doing it. It's the, it's the nasal flies. It's the bot flies. It's the warble flies. It's the thoughts. Now, other people seek relief in some foreign non-Christian philosophy, but the answer, folks, is found in the anointing oil. And what's the anointing oil? It's found in God's Word. Just as with the sheep, there must be a continual application of God's anointing oil. What is God's anointing oil? Well, first, the Holy Spirit is God's anointing oil. 
Jesus said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give what? The Holy Spirit to those who do what? All you got to do is ask. We'll say, well, I've already got the Holy Spirit. Well, how about a double dose? How about a triple dose? How about an extra dose? How about a daily dose? I don't care what happened to you 10 years ago. I want to know what happened today. Did you get filled today? Are you walking in peace today? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? Have you had an encounter with God today? You're only as good as your last time with God. I should put it this way. You're only as strong as your last time with God. So Jesus said, ask the Father. He'll pour the Holy Spirit out on you. And remember that picture of that sheep? Just picture the Lord. Say, oh, I see your mind is troubled. Here you go. And he pours the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit. When we find ourselves dealing with irritating, oppressive thoughts, the Father is ready and willing to pour out a fresh anointing of his Spirit upon our heads, our thought life. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Entering into a time of personal uh, worship releases the same anointing all of God's Spirit. I worked, I'm, gonna, I'm not lying to you. I wouldn't tell you this, but in this traffic mess, I started worshiping God. If I hadn't, I wouldn't tell you. I would, if I'd gotten mad, I wouldn't tell you. No, I'd tell you. But I'm telling you the truth. I started worshiping God. I said, there's nothing I can do about this. I might as well worship God. I started worshiping God. And, you know, I honestly it didn't really bother me that much what am i going to do i can worship god i've got more prayer time i'm going to use it see we need to learn to practice the presence of god and, and one of the ways you practice keeping that flow of the spirit in your life is worship wherever you may be just worship if you're in an elevator worship it'll empty out quick you'll be all alone with god just start worshiping We need to learn to practice the presence of God and keep that anointing oil on our minds. Now, second time spent in the Word of God is just, it, you are allowing the shepherd to rub anointing oil onto your thoughts. That's what I do every morning. That's why I do it. I have a naturally um, tense personality uh, and uh, sensitive personality so that I have to get my mind in God's presence. I just do. Or I'll think about things and my mind will get too active. So I get in the presence of God. And I know I'm done when I can sense that anointing oil of God's Word has covered my thoughts and I have peace. And that's when I walk out the door. And we all need it. So just picture that time you open the Word. There's the shepherd. He's checking you out, like we talked about last time, the rod and the staff. He's checking you out for diseases, for burrs, for trouble, for skin trouble. For, uh, he's checking your soul out. He's sifting through your soul, through your thoughts. But also, when you're with the Lord in that Word, just picture Him standing over you, pouring that anointing oil onto your mind. The fears go, the worries go, the fretting goes, the anger goes, and peace covers your thoughts.
The Word of God soothes our mind. It builds our faith. It clears out the cobwebs of negative thinking and rebukes the enemy's lies. No wonder the Bible says, listen carefully to this, 2, Timothy, or 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war like the world does. We're in it, but we don't fight the way they fight. Well, then how do we fight? The weapons we fight, we fight with, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? It's whatever holds you strong. What's a stronghold? It's thoughts. That's what a stronghold is. You're held in a castle in your mind. You're bound in your thoughts. And how do you bring down a stronghold? By the weapons of our warfare. They have divine power to demolish fear, worry, lust, anger, fretting, jealousy. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every what? Thought to make it what? Obedient to Christ. How do you do it? You open up that word and you let it renew your mind. And that word goes into your mind like a fighter and drives the lies and drives the enemy out and drives those worrisome thought flies out and leaves you in peace. Just as the shepherd anoints his sheep's head with oil that repels his enemies, our great shepherd desires to daily anoint our own heads with the powerful oil of his spirit and his word in order that our thoughts might be at peace. Let me ask you today, did you walk around today with a peaceful mind? Did, did you walk around with a peaceful Well, kind of and kind of not. Well, what does that mean? Let me ask you this. Have you ever noticed that when you get up and get with God, your day goes better than when you miss it? Can I challenge you with something today? First of all, no one, no one can position you to receive the oil on your mind but you. If you don't do it, you don't open up the Word, you don't access yourself, or, uh, give access to the Word of God and the Spirit of God in your life, Nobody's going to come put you in a headlock. you got to do it. So today, when you were walking around and dealing with, with what you dealt with and your job and all that, did you have peace of mind? Or are you just kind of barely eking by? Are you kind of half joyful, half miserable? Do you walk around really kind of not feeling too great and not feeling very victorious? Can I encourage you to do something? Open up. I'm telling you, there is power in that word. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, pierces to the dividing apart of your soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and discerns the thoughts and intents of your heart. The Word of God. I'll challenge you tomorrow, get up in time, to open up that Bible, read some of it. Worship God for a couple of minutes. Pour out your heart before Him. Wait until that anointing oil has covered you and you have peace. Then you go out and face your day. And you will have around you a shield. A shield that will guard you against the fiery arrows of the enemy.
He anoints my head with oil, and he says and closes with this, and because he does, my cup runs over with supernatural joy. Can we stand together tonight? How many of you can say, I don't want him to take my joy or my peace? That's God's gift to you. Can we go to the Lord in prayer? And let's ask him to help us just to, you know, give him 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the morning with no interruptions at all. And you open up that word. And you let him talk to you. Father, we want our thoughts at peace. We thank you, Lord, that you've gone up into the high places in the tablelands and you are preparing a tableland for us while the enemy watches on and can't do a thing about it. But Lord, we want to be able to enjoy that tableland and not be driven mad by runaway thoughts, destructive thinking. We don't want to lose our joy and our peace in that high place that God has for us. So Lord, we ask you, help us to get up and get with you in the morning and allow the shepherd to give us that clean water and allow the shepherd to anoint our heads with oil. Now talk to him a minute. Say, Lord, help me to do that. He's got that for you. In Jesus' name, thank you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.